growing and feeding our spirit. Lord, we, we ask that you lead and guide us to the word that is just right for us here tonight and the word and, and just right for those that are listening online. Lord, give me, uh, give me and Robbie the words that need to be spoken and help us to, to uh, be bold to speak it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, let's do our confession tonight. Remember, our confession, all it does is help us get in faith and stay in faith. Glory to God. So let's confess this together. This, this is, is my Bible. Bible. It, it is always true and the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the Spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the word. Glory to God. We love to confess that. Keeps us, puts us in faith and keeps us in faith. Glory to God. Well, Father, we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Glory to God. Uh, we are going to talk about, they'll get it adjusted out. There, tonight, I want to talk to you, we want to talk to you about um, what type of ground are you? What type of ground are you? Um, we're going to look at uh, a teaching that Jesus gave, and this teaching was recorded in three of the four Gospels. Uh, it was recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, how much do you know anything that's been recorded in three of the four Gospels? It's probably kind of important, probably pretty important. Uh, so we want to look at this, and um, glory to God. Let's just let's just uh, listen to the Holy Ghost. Let's go over here to Ephesians real quick. Ephesians real quick. I'm just stirring. I know we've already prayed for the preaching of the word, but sometimes it's good to look at some things. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 16, this is Paul under the unction of the Holy Ghost. He says, he says, see, he says, he said, I cease not, the word I is not there, but it's, it's implied from the prior verse. He says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So Paul um, always mentioned the church of Ephesus in his prayers specifically. And he, he, I'm sure that he probably called some people out by name or he called out certain churches by name. But this is what he prayed. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is... Um, or, and what the riches of his glory in the inheritance in his saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Now, when it comes to making a prayer request from God, 
what we need to do is we need to pray and we need to meditate on a scripture and find out that it's God's will for us to receive something in the word. And once we see that God provided it for us, like healing as an example, once we see that God wants us healed, then, um, you know, we just, we just receive healing one time, we request healing and receive it, and we don't ever have to pray for it again. We just thank God that we have it. Um, but there's some prayer, and Jesus told us uh, to not uh, pray rote prayers or repetitive prayers, praying the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. How much do you know, if you're believing God for a new car, so to speak, you don't pray for a new car. Oh, Father, you know, on Monday you pray, Father, I'm believing you. I, I see in your word that, that Jesus had good uh, transportation and your people had good pr- transportation and that you're not against transportation and that you provide us all things that we need and I need a vehicle to get to and from work. So I see that it's your will for me to have transportation. So, Father, I'm praying and believing for a car, a good, reliable car. And, you know, you pray that prayer on Monday. Well, when you prayed that prayer on Monday, you're supposed to be in faith. So if you go back on Tuesday and you say, uh, Father, I, and you go through the whole thing again, how much do you know God's going, were you in faith on Monday? You know, how much do you know? If you get on Amazon and you hit order, even though it hasn't showed up at your house, you've already obtained it. You, you understand what I'm saying? If you get on Amazon and you say, oh, I want this... Uh, you know, I, I, well, let's use the car example. Say you say you get on uh, Carvana, Carvana, <laughs> and you use their little car vending machine, and you and you pick out and select your car, and you get your car, and you hit the order button and the pay button, and it says your order has been confirmed. Do you get on Carvana, Carvana the next day and do it all over again? Lord, no. First of all, that's a lot of money. Second of all, do you need two? No, you only need one. So when you prayed for the car, how much, you know, when, if you paid for the car on Carvana, how much do you know you're running around telling everybody, man, I can't wait till my car gets here. Man, I've, I've ordered my car. My car's here. I can't, I can't, I mean, I've already got it. It's mine. Here's my paperwork. I'm just waiting for it to show up. Right? Uh, you're telling everybody. Well, we're supposed to do the same thing with God. Man, I prayed and I believed, and I'm telling you what, God, I saw in the Word where I could get a car, that God would provide me a vehicle, and I prayed and I believed I received it, so I have it by faith in Jesus' name, and you praise Him until it comes. That's one type of praying. But there are some prayers that you can pray continually. That's not a repetitive prayer, because how much do you know? You need a fresh understanding every day. You need a fresh revelation every day. Just because God gave you revelation on Monday, that you prayed on Monday and said, Father, open up my eyes, give me a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge on Monday. Now, he, now the prayer will carry, but how much you know on Tuesday you need a revelation for Tuesday? You know, give a, Father, feed me your word. So this is a prayer that Paul prayed for all of the churches every time he thought about them. And this is a prayer that Kenneth E. Hagin uh, began to pray for himself, and this is what he would say, This is what he said about these prayers. Every time he, every time the scripture says you, he would pray this. He said that the God of, of my Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant, may give unto me the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge in Him. 
that the eyes of my understanding being enlightened, may be enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of his calling and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to me who believes according to the working of his mighty power. Uh, he said that he took this prayer because this is something that can be renewed daily. And he estimated that he had probably routinely prayed that prayer probably somewhere in the vicinity of about a thousand times. He would get to meditating on the word and he would pray it uh, multiple times a day and what have you. And this is what he said. At this point, he was a young Baptist preacher. Uh, he was a Baptist boy preacher. It's the way he, was call- he-, he described himself. And uh, he was pastoring one of his first churches. And um, he'd been pastoring for quite some time, but he got over to praying this prayer and praying it and praying it and praying it and praying it. And he said, all of a sudden, one day he hit a gully washer and the revelations of God just began to just the word just became alive to him. And he was so enthusiastic that he went into the house because they lived in the partridge next to the church. He was so enthusiastic and he was in the church meditating and praying when this happened. So he went into the parsonage where his wife Aretha was and he was telling Aretha how he'd been praying this and that all of a sudden the word looked incredibly different to him. And he said, and this is what he said he told his wife. He said, honey, it's amazing to me that the deacons in the church, he said, good Lord, what have I even been preaching? It's amazing to me that the deacons of the church have not told me to come in out of the rain. How much do you know, in order to understand the word, you need God to give you a spirit of revelation. You need, you need uh, that, that gift. You need your eyes opened. You need that. He said that our Lord may give unto us a spirit of wisdom. You need the Holy Ghost, which is the spirit of wisdom, residing on the inside, teaching you and showing you things and revealing things to you. You need that spirit of wisdom, that spirit of revelation, the Holy Ghost, um, to give you his knowledge, the Father's knowledge. You need your eye, the eyes of your understanding, to be illuminated or to be lightened. You need this. So let's pray this together. Every time that you see that word you, you just say I. Let's pray this together. Father. Father. We come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. That the God of my Lord Jesus Christ. That the God of my Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of glory. The Father of glory. Give unto me. Gives unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of Christ. In the knowledge of Christ. That the eyes of my understanding. That the eyes of my understanding. Be enlightened. Be enlightened. That I may know. That I may know. What is the hope of his calling. What is the hope of his calling. And what is the riches of his glory. And what is the riches of his glory. Uh, I'm sorry. And inheritance. And inheritance. In the saints. In the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness. And what is the exceeding greatness. Of his power. Of his power. Toward me who believes. 
towards me who believes according to the working of his mighty power according to the working of your mighty power this is very important because if we just read the word under our own might and power it's just going to be the same old word but when we read it in light of the father it makes a big difference now we're going to see where this plays a part as we look to find out what type of ground are you there, as I said a few moments ago, this is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew and Mark's accounts are a little closer together as far as the wording that they use. Luke's is a little different. So for those of you that are taking notes, write down these three scripture references. Matthew chapter 13, uh, verses starting in verse 3 and running to about verse 23. So Matthew 13, 3 to 23, and then Mark 4, verse 3 through 20, and then Luke 8, uh, starting in verse uh, 4 and running to verse 15. Those are the three different accounts. We're going to look at two of the accounts tonight, side by side, and then we're going to... Um, and then you can go back and look at the third account for yourself later. So the two accounts that we're going to look at is we're going to look at Mark chapter 4. So turn to Mark chapter 4. And then grab you a piece of paper or something to mark that spot. And then um, I also want you to look at Luke chapter 8. We're going to kind of do these side by side tonight. I'm going to give uh, Miss Brooke a workout back there. Because I don't think she can bring them up side by side. Uh, but we're going to look at Luke chapter 8. That's going to be our other sister chapter here. And uh, we'll pick up in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 4. Luke 8, 4 is where we're going to start. And we're going to see this um, parable that Jesus gives. So picking up in verse 4. All right. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of, out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. All right, let's see what, uh, Matt, um, well, I said we were going to look at Mark, and I turned to Matthew. Give me just a second. Mark chapter 4. Mark 4. Start in verse 3? Yes. All right. Verse 3. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came up and devoured it. So a tiny bit different, not too bad. So since how we're right here in Mark, let's go ahead and look at the next verse. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. All right. Now, in Luke's account, Luke says it this way in verse 6. He said, And some fell upon the rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. So Mark said it didn't have any earth. There wasn't, there wasn't hardly any earth. When I think of this particular plant growing, I think of a plant growing out here in the asphalt or in the crack of a sidewalk, um, you know, um, especially during garden season, gardening time. 
Um, if you're planting seeds and you've got some seeds that land on top of the dirt in the garden, they spring up, but then on a good sunny day, and then poof, they're gone. Uh, and why did they go? Because the earth is what helps to keep, that, that ground helps to keep the roots moist. And so if there's no moisture, they dry up. All right, so um, so let's look at Mark. Well, we were, where are we at? He's in Mark, so we'll look at Mark. Go back to Mark. <laughs> So Mark chapter 4, we saw this on the stony, uh, stony ground. So let's look at verse 6. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. So Mark goes on and he explains uh, that when the sun came up, it was scorched because, the, the, because it had no root in it. How much do you know if a plant doesn't have a root, that plant's not going to survive? It's not going to make it. All right, let's keep reading on here in Mark. All right. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and, he, and it yielded no fruit. So this, this seed fell amongst the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked it. When I think of this uh, particular plant uh, or this particular seed, um, if you've done any gardening around here at all, if you plant on the edges of the woods, there's a couple of thorny plants that like to come up. There's the, there's the blackberry bushes which, I mean, they'll just eat you alive. Then there's, uh, there's, a, there's that, it's not the Carolina Jewel, it's the other one that's got the, it's, it's the other flowering plant that grows right on the edge, and I mean, it's got thorns like this, and it comes up real easy. But if you've got a plant buried in it, how much do you, if you've got a plant kind of planted on the edge, and then this thorny bush comes up in it, how much do you know, that's going to choke that thing out. On our, on our main property, we have a big, gorgeous uh, uh, fir tree. It's huge. And for some strange reason, this, this tree's been there probably 30 years. For some strange reason, one of those sticky, was that, a, a, a mulberry? What is that plant that's growing up in the middle of that tree? I don't know, but oh. it's got little tacky thorns on it. It's got blueberries on it. A holly tree. It. Huh? A holly tree? No, it's not the holly tree. It's the one that's growing on the backside of this tree. I keep fussing at him get it out of there. He's like, it's fine. But it comes up, and it's got these little tacky thorns all up and down the stems. And it's and if, it break, if the stems break, it leaves this white, milky, sticky stuff all over you. And it's got, blue, it's got these purple-looking berries on it. Well, it's growing up so thick in and amongst that tree that it's actually choking that tree out on that side. That tree is kind of dying out on that side because this other thorny bush is growing up and stealing all of its nutrients and stealing all of its sun. And, and uh, it's, it's not a good place for it. So let's look. So we just read Mark's account of this. Let's look at Luke's account of this. And Luke uh, verse, chapter 8 verse 7 says this. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. How much you know, these thorny plants, once they get a hold, they choke them. Uh, think about um, poison sumac and poison oak. Now, they don't necessarily have thornies on them, but how much you know, those vines will get up on those trees and choke those trees out. Uh, and that's what he's talking about. So it matters the ground that your seed is planted in. Let's, keep, uh, let's look here at verse 8. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. Now, some, some seed fell on some good ground, and it produced 
uh, and it bear about a hundred, you know, it bear hundredfold fruit. That's wonderful. But let's look at uh, what Luke, uh, what Mark says here. In Mark verse eight. All right. And and other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some a hundredfold. So Mark gives us a little detail. He says not every seed that falls on good ground is going to produce a hundred fruit, a hundredfold. Some is only going to produce thirty. Some's going to produce sixty. Some's going to produce a hundred. But it's all on good ground. So what's the difference? Well, let's see what Jesus has to say to give us some information on this. Now, we're right here in Mark, so let's just kind of... um, Let's let's read on in Mark a little bit, see what Mark has to say. Mark has some things to say on this subject. In verse 9, he said, And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. That's how he finished out the parable when he was talking to the, uh, to, the, to the folks. He said, he that has an ear, has ears to hear, let him hear. So what's he saying? He, he's, he's saying, hey, pay attention. This is important. Now, remember, what did we pray? We said, Father, give us, uh, um, what, in Matthew, what, I mean, out of Ephesians, what did we pray? Father, give us a spirit of wisdom and understanding that our eyes may be enlightened. He didn't, we didn't refer to the ears, but we did talk about the eyes being enlightened. Let's keep going here. And when he was alone, they that were about... Are you in Mark? Uh, yes. Okay. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. They just told him it, but he's gonna expo- they're asking him to explain it. And he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Glory to God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Now, any time that you see this word mystery, especially in the New Testament, um, a mystery is a spiritual secret that can be known or can be revealed. So what Jesus is saying is he said unto them, unto you it is given to know a spiritual secret that can be revealed. Well, how are we going to get it revealed? Well, we prayed and we asked God, God, give us a spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. Help us to understand your word. So we've made a request to understand, and now God can make it easy for us. So let's read on. All right. So all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. So Jesus basically said, the reason I speak in parables is because they don't have an ear to hear it. They, don't, they have no desire to hear it because anybody that has a desire to hear, it'll be given to him. And because God, because all of a sudden it's open to him, they're more apt to be converted into being a believer than those who is just handed, that, that things are handed to them. We've done youth camp for years and years and years and years and years. And when we first started doing youth camp because of our zeal and our enthusiasm, Pastor Mike and I went, I mean, we did all kinds of crazy things. To make sure that every single teenager that, w- that, w- had a, that had a desire to go would go. 
And our zeal was so much so that we made it possible for teenagers to go without them having to do anything. They didn't have to do any work. They didn't have to put any of their money out. They didn't have to do anything. And what we learned the hard way is that when nobody applies any of their own effort or resources, they don't value it. So we learned that in order for the kids to actually get something out of this amazing uh, event that we were taking them to, we had to require that they put some effort in. So we taught them how to believe for faith, believe to at least get their, to at least pay the deposit, which for a teenager was a lot of money. Um, and, and, you know, and we taught them how to use their faith instead of setting it up and doing everything for them. We said, well, here's the deal. If you really want to go, we'll teach you how to pray. We'll, we'll pray with you. We'll believe with you. When the opportunity comes to earn some money, go do the work and then bring, and then don't go spend that money on video games or music or whatever you want to spend it on, bring that money in and use it for camp. And when they did that, they got a lot more out of it. God is using the same principle here. He said if they'll apply themselves to understanding, if they'll put some work in it, I'll reveal it to them, and then they'll value it. Then they'll value what they have. That's really what Jesus was saying here. All right, let's keep going. All right, verse 13. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? Oh, my goodness. He said, he said if you don't know this parable, how are you going to know any of them? Now, I want to stop right here, and I want to go over to Luke's account. So we're coming right back to Mark, but I want to look at Luke's account. Because Luke shows us just a little bit differently. And we're going to pick up right here. Uh, we'll go ahead and pick up in 8 again. Okay. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his parables asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And his parables asked him? <laughs> That's what you said. You said, And his parables asked him this parable. Oh, my bad. <laughs> and his disciples asked him, saying, what might this parable be? I don't know why I said We've that. read this multiple times today, so it's kind of, woo. <laughs> and he said, unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Now look at that. He, to his disciples, who gets the, who gets the mystery re revealed? The believers, the disciples. He said, unto you, talking to his disciples, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. What is a disciple? Well, a disciple, that's a real simple word. It means a student of Jesus Christ. It means a follower of Jesus. It's somebody that's working to make their life look as much like Jesus as possible. That's what a disciple is. And so he said, unto you, my disciple, I'm going to reveal mysteries or spiritual secrets to you. So if God is willing to reveal his mysteries, should we ever say, well, you know, God's mysterious. We just can't know his will and his ways. No, because right here he said, it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Did he say unto you it's given to know this single mystery? No, he said it's given unto you to understand all the mysteries. I mean, he didn't use the word all, but it's implied. 
Um, you, he said, it's given unto you to know the mysteries. And that, why? Because when you were born again, you received the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, and the Holy Ghost will teach you all things. That's over in John 14. So let's keep going. All right. But to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Oh, hold on. Before we read that, I want us to jump down. We're going to jump down to... Do, 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 do. Jump down to verse 16. All right. We're going to skip the explanation for just a minute because I want you to see the rest of what he has to say about not having an eye to see or an ear to hear and to understand. Just kind of want to mush it all together. So 16? Mm-hmm. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Now, we often use this scripture in reference to, uh, you know, the hidden things or hidden sins being revealed you know uh, people are like you know this happens all the time in ministry especially as a pastor you know one of your parishioners will come to you or something gets exposed and then you got to go to him and be like why didn't you just tell us this is what you were dealing with i mean why did i have to find out from gossip from from the town gossip like come on what are you doing and they're like i'm sorry i just didn't want to disappoint you and i'm like well, now you've disappointed. Well, I'm not disappointed in you. I'm disappointed in your behavior, and you've embarrassed us, but that's okay. We can work this out. No, no, no. So, but, it, but we have to keep every scripture in context, and he's talking about knowing the type of ground that somebody is. And he says, for nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest. In other words, we can, everybody you know, there's a lot of people that pretend to be good ground. Oh, I'm, the, I'm good ground. God, you can give me your word. I'm good ground. But your life and what you have going on in your life will show what type of ground you are. It'll show it. He said, he said for nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest. You can keep your, your spiritual truth secret for a while, but eventually... The fruit of your life will reveal where you are with God. Neither anything hid, eventually it's all going to be shown, that shall not be known and come abroad. In other words, you're going to get found out. So you might as well be honest about your walk with Christ. You're going to be found out. Keeping this in context, let's look at what he says next. All right, so back up to... No, verse 18. Oh, 18, okay. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. All right. Now, keeping this in context of hearing and seeing, let's read it this way: Take heed. What did he say? He said, "Take heed." This implies that there is an action on your part. You need to take heed. In other words, you need to be aware. You need to pay attention. You need to get engaged with this thing. You need to be involved. He said, take heed, therefore, how, what? How you hear. 
Pay attention to how you hear is what he's talking about. And then he says, for whosoever hath an ear to hear, keeping it in context, to him it shall be given. If you have an ear to hear, you will understand this parable. Because we're taking heed of how we hear. And uh, whosoever hath not an ear to hear. If you're like, oh, it's a parable, I don't understand it. This happens, this happens a lot with people in the church. The, the minister is preaching on something above their level, and they just check out of service. They just check out. They're like, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't get it. I'm checking out. My grandmother was a great example of this. My grandmother was raised Catholic. And then she raised her children and her grandchildren Episcopal. And, but she was a lover of God. She loved God. But because of her upbringing and what she had been around, she had always believed that tongues was not of God, speaking in the Spirit. She believed that was not of God, didn't want nothing to do with it. Well, through a series of events, she got into her 80s, and she came to live with myself and Michael and my mom and well, God had gotten a hold of us, and we got over into this full gospel stuff, and we got baptized in the Holy Ghost and got to praying in tongues and, and what have you. And, well, Granny was living with us, so she went to church with us. And she loved everything about the church. Our praise team even for occasionally would play some Petra praise for praise and worship. My 80-year-old grandmother, I mean, she just ate it up. She loved it. But every time that pastor would talk about the Holy Spirit in tongues, she just shut down. She just shut her ears out. And I mean, you could just watch it on her face. She just check out a service. I'm not hearing that nonsense. That's not God. Everything else in the church is God, but that's not God. That's the way she was. Well, through a series of events, she ended up coming to church on a Sunday and and uh, she was real fatigued and real tired. We didn't know it, but her aneurysm that she'd had for 25 or 30-plus years was leaking, but we didn't have a clue. But she said, well, going to, well, y'all going to church? I'm going to church. So she went with us. Well, sure enough, we got up that morning, and it was Palm Sunday, and uh, uh, and, and uh, pastor got to preaching on the Holy Ghost, being baptized in the Holy Ghost and praying in other tongues. And Granny kept dozing off. At least that's what she made it look like. So I kept kind of nudging her, like, come on, because, you know, she gets to snoring a little bit. And uh, now she's 82, and I'm like, come on. Like, I, I kind of nudge her, and I thought, what is going on with her today? She is obviously not liking this sermon. So all this, so the service ends, and she gets up, and she turns around, and she looks at me, and she says, you mean to tell me speaking in tongues is the Holy Ghost, and I can do it? And I said, yeah, Granny, that's what I mean. And she said, huh, maybe that's why I'm still here. (laughs) The following Sunday, she moved to heaven. (laughs) The following Sunday, she moved to heaven. But how much, you know, she chose to close her ears. And then she chose to open them. But then that day, she chose to open them and hear what the Lord actually had to say to her. And uh, glory to God. Um, but you can, but how much you know, she was taking heed of what she would hear and what she would not hear. We need to be careful to take heed that we hear what God is saying, even when the minister is ministering something that we don't quite understand yet. Um, so we've done, we did youth ministry for 17 years, and we still have a huge heart for the youth. 
and the young people, and they'll come to it, and I'll be like, listen, I've taught this. Well, but you're a pastor. You understand it. I don't. Well, stop ignoring me when I'm teaching on it. That would be real helpful, please. They say, well, I just don't get it, so I just stop listening. I'm like, listen, if you would not stop listening, you'd get it. Just, just, just stay engaged with me. Well, you don't have that problem. I said, honey, I used to be a baby Christian just like you. How do you think I got to where I'm at? I kept my ears engaged. I kept my spirit engaged. I kept my spiritual eyes engaged. I said, listen, I said, I said, multiple times a year, I go and I sit under Brother Randy, who's got years of ministry above me. I said, I listen to Dad Hagen and Smith Wigglesworth and all these fathers of faith and Amy McPherson and, and Catherine Coleman, and they talk about stuff that just makes my head spin. Because there they are certain things that they understood about God that we still don't get. And I said, but here's what I don't do. I don't shut down. I just simply say, Father, give me a spirit of wisdom. Give me a spirit of understanding. Father, give me the revelation that you gave them. Father, show it to me in a way that I can understand it. So that's what, that's what uh, Jesus is telling him here. And he tells them the same thing in both Matthew's account, Matthew's account and Mark's account uh, in, in those teachings. Now, Let's look at Jesus' explanation of the, uh, of the sower. So we're right here in Luke. So let's put, pick up in Luke, and uh, let's pick up in verse 11. All right. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. What's the, what's the seed? The word of God. Brianna, what's the seed being sowed? What's the farmer planting? It's right there. Huh? The word. See, you didn't have to be afraid it was on the screen. Good job. Jackie, what's being sowed? The word. Zach, what's being sowed? The word of God. The word of God. The word is what is being sowed. So, how do you receive the word? Let's find out. Depending on how you receive the word will depict what type of ground you are. Let's keep going. Now, everyone's going to identify somewhat with one of, of these. these. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're, you're a lost cause. It means right. that shows you the area you need to work on. Now, here's the other thing. You can be good ground in one area because you've studied it tremendously, and you can be not great ground in another area like my grandmother who was like, that seed's going to the wayside. I'm not receiving that at all. You know, so you could be, depending on the subject, could depend what type of ground you are. The goal is to be good ground in every area. All right. Let's keep going. So those by the wayside, are they that hear? So they're hearing. That's good. Then cometh the devil and take away the word out of their hearts. So the devil comes to challenge them lest they should believe, should believe and be saved. So the devil comes to challenge their, what the word that they've received so that they won't, they won't follow it and they won't believe it. So this is, this is the person, let's say you're witnessing to somebody that doesn't know Christ, and you're witnessing the wonderfulness of Christ to somebody, and they'll give you the time of day and let you say your speech. 
but they're not really hearing it. Or while they're hearing it, the devil is immediately talking to them and going, that ain't true. That ain't real. That ain't it. And they refuse to receive. Now, I want to go look at this in Mark's account because Mark says it a little differently. All right. That helps us understand this a little bit better. And so we pick this up in verse 14. All right, so verse 14, the sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately, and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they, likewise, which are sown, well, then he goes on to the stony ground. Do you want me to keep going? Okay. Do I? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so stay right here. Okay. Okay. He said, and these are they that uh, by the wayside that the word is sown, but when they have heard, in other words, they hear the word, then Satan cometh immediately and take away the word that was sown in their hearts. One of the greatest examples I can think of this is when the pastor preaches on love. The pastor preaches on love. The pastor preaches on giving mercy and grace to your spouse, being kind to one another, having a listening ear. You get, and you're like, oh, and you know, you're sitting there in the sermon and you're listening. You look over at your spouse and you go, I'm sorry, I've been rough with you. I do love you. And you get it all right. And then you get in the car. And before you make it home. And before you make it out of the parking lot, you are already in a dog fight. Over something stupid like, where are you going to eat lunch? You know, you're both hungry. You're both cranky. You both want to eat. The wife is trying to learn to be submitted. Whatever the husband wants, that's what he gets. He gets in the car. He says, honey, what do you want to eat? She's trying to be submitted. She says, honey, wherever you want to go, that'll be fine with me. And he names like something that's like at the bottom of her list. And she goes, ugh. It'll be okay. And immediately he goes, it's not okay. She said, I said it was okay. And he said, it's not okay. You huffed. I didn't mean to huff. It's, it's okay. It really is okay. How much do you know right now Satan is stealing the word that was sown? Immediately. And in case you can't tell, this even happens to the pastors. <laughs> it has happened more than once. <laughs> happened more than once but i was gonna say how do you not know where how can you not tell we're talking about self-experience all right but here's another one you get in the car the pastor was just talking about being good to your boss and working for jesus and doing everything like you're supposed to do and you're headed out the door and your boss calls and says hey can you come in i ain't going in there it's my day off and you start murmuring and complaining Guess what? Satan just came immediately to steal the word. Immediately. These are people. Instead, they go, uh, you know what? Let me, give me a few minutes. Let me call you back. Let me think about it. Get your flag, Hang up the phone. Get your flesh under control. And then go, okay, God, I committed in service that I was not going to murmur. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to let this steal my joy. Let me, you know, Lord, how do I need to respond? Let the Holy Spirit tell you. Holy Spirit may say, Call him back and tell him you really need a day off. The Holy Spirit might say, you know what? You, you made that commitment, and I need you to go and show your boss that you are a good employee. <sighs> okay, Jesus. And so you go. 
Why? Because what, what are you trying to do? You're trying to make sure that Satan does not steal that word immediately. Immediately. Another way that Satan can come in and steal the word immediately is you can walk out the door and, well, let's read on. <laughs> let's read on. All right. Verse, let's not get ahead of the word. Verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who when they have heard the word, immediately received it with gladness. Oh, boy. Ooh, that was good word, Pastor. Man, that was good word. All right, good. And have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Uh-oh. Let's go look at Luke's account of this. Oh, my goodness. All right. Luke 13. Well, 8, 8 verse, verse 13, yeah. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. All right. So, we don't want to be the rock on the wayside that lets the eight and come in immediately. Or we don't want to be by the wayside. We don't want to be the rock... Now, and this is a big deal. You got that person in the church that, ooh, praise God, that's good word, Pastor. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm excited to receive the word. And they hold on to it until pressures of life show up. And then when the pressure of life shows up, they're like that little plant on the sidewalk or out here in the asphalt and the sun is cooking it. Their roots are just drying up immediately and withering. Well, Pastor... I don't want to be a person that doesn't have root. How do I get root? Meditation. Thinking on the word. Talking about the word. Getting the word down in you. How many meals a day do you eat on average? Three. Two, three, different people, different things on average. If you, even if you only eat one meal a day, how much do you know you have a meal every day? If you only fed your physical body... When you come to church once a week, how would your physical body be handling life right about now? Not well. If you fed your physical body only when you came to church twice a week, how would your physical body be doing? Not well. Now, we have three services. We have Sunday morning, and, uh, Sunday, morning Sunday evening, and then Wednesday night. If you made three meals a week because you fed your soul, your spirit three times a week, how would you be doing physically? You'd be pretty weak. Still not well. You wouldn't have much roots because you've got nothing well. to grow with. Still not well. Now, we have prayer service on Friday night. So you come to all three services and you do prayer. So you eat two meals on Sunday. You don't eat on Monday. You don't eat on Tuesday. You work all day Wednesday. You eat a meal, a, a, a meal on Wednesday night. You get up on Thursday. You go to work. You go to work all day Friday. You come in and you pour out of, because you're in prayer. Maybe the Lord nourishes you a little, but for the most part, you're pouring out. Then you come in on, but then you don't come in on Saturday. You don't eat. And then bam, Sunday, you get two meals again. How are you doing physically? Not great. You're still not great. How much you know, in order for you to do well physically, you need to eat multiple times a day. Small meals multiple times a day. Guess what? Your spirit is the same way. How do you build root? You take what is fed you in the church 
or in your own spiritual time, depending on how you do it. When I first came into Christ, my spiritual meals looked like this. I'd go to church on Sunday morning, and I would take notes. And I'd write down the sermon, I'd write down the scriptures that my pastor brought up, and I'd write down a little blurb about what he said about them to jog my memory. And then on uh, Sunday evening, I'd pull out my notes and I'd start to go through them. And I'd go through them on Sunday evening, on Monday, on Tuesday, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night, I'd come into service, I'd take notes, and then on Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night, I'd review those notes. What was I doing? I was growing my roots. This is how you grow roots, is you feed yourself spiritually every day. Now, the, during the day, you know, I'm working, full-time job. I'm working and dealing with my family and everything else. So I, I can't just carry my notes and read my notes all day every day. No, what I would do is I would take a little note with me, or I would pick up what I studied the night before, and in my mind, I would talk to the Lord about it all day long throughout the day. And then that night, I'd go back in and, and do, my, do my words or study my notes. What is that? That's meditating. That's growing root. Most people don't do this, therefore they have no root. And if you don't have root, what happens? You can maintain on that meal that you had at church for a short season, but when the time, when the time of temptation, when the pressures of life come in, your root, what little bit of root you grew at church, is all dried up and withered away. And, and, and now you're not producing so we don't want to be the, the stony ground. We don't want to be the stony ground. All right, let's keep going. All right, verse 14 of Luke 8. Okay. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they heard have heard, the, heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life. Oh, my goodness. And bring no fruit to perfection. Oh, my goodness. Let's look at this in Mark's account. Oh, my goodness. Verse 18. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. All right. So, if you are planted in God... And you're may and you're and you're working to put down roots, but you get consumed with the cares of life. Do you know that the Bible tells us not to carry the care? In fact, Jesus said that we are not to be anxious for anything, or we're not to worry about anything. Anxiety and worry are all rooted in fear, and and Satan's kingdom runs on fear. So if you are consumed with worry, if you're consumed with anxiety, if you're consumed with fear, then Satan has a hold of your mind and your emotions, and therefore that root, that seed, that word, the word of God that was sown in you is not producing. Why? Because Satan's kingdom and Satan's thoughts, the cares of this world, are choking out the word that was sowed in you. Well, how do you fix that? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. You submit yourself to God, resist the devil by speaking the word, by exercising your authority when care tries to come on you. 
one point in time, this is years ago, but this is a good example. Brianna got um, kind of upset with me because there was a situation that I had to help her deal with, and she didn't want my help. But I didn't have a choice. I had to help her. And she didn't like it. So she was mad at me. She was mad at me because I did what was in her best interest. And then she reached out to me, and she's like, she's like, I'm mad at you, you know, little teenager. You know, I'm so mad at you. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, it's okay. You're allowed to be mad at me. That, all that did was make her matter. That's all that did was make her matter because she wanted me to carry the care, the weight, and the pressure of her being mad at me. And I said, honey, I said, she, and she said, don't you care that I'm mad at you? And I said, no, I don't care at all. How much you know that just made her madder than a wet hornet? I mean, it just made her mad. And she said, how dare you not care? I said, give me a chance to explain. I said, do I like the fact that you're mad? No. It, it, would I like for you to not be mad at me? Of course. Would I like for you to understand why I did what I had to do? Of course I would. But it's your choice to be mad. I can't, me being upset that you're mad doesn't fix your mad at all. All it does is, makes, is it keeps you miserable and makes me miserable. I said, so, do I have compassion that you're mad at me? Of course I have compassion. But I'm not going to carry the weight, the care, the concern of you having uncontrolled emotions. I'm not going to let your uncontrolled emotions cause me to have uncontrolled emotions. And she went, well, that's just stupid. I get it, but that's stupid, and I just may not talk to you for a few days. And I said, well, that's fine. I said, but I'm going to be at your game tomorrow. She's like, I'm not talking to you. And she tried real hard not to talk to me, but I made it hard on her. And uh, we were there. I'm like, oh, come on, girl. She's like, don't talk to me. I'm like, ah, she's a teenager. She'll get over it. But how much do you know, in that moment, I had a decision to make. I could either let the care of her being mad affect me, or I could cast the care and say, Jesus, she's your problem. The, the you know, Mike does our home finances. I do the church finances. Uh, when, the church finance, when the church bills come in, I like to go to the mailbox. I pull out the bill. I highlight the balance. And, I, and um, if it's a bill like our electric bill, we get four different electric bills. And so I'll tally them up, and I do a little tally sheet, and I staple it all together, and I highlight the total. And then I stick it on the bulletin board, and I go, Jesus, you have mail. And he goes, I got it. And I don't look at the church finances until it's time to pay the bills. I don't. I don't even look at them. Why? Because if I'm constantly looking at it, then that's a door for Satan to put weight and pressure on me. I just go, Satan, you got mail. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, you got mail. Not Satan. Jesus, you got mail. Why? It's his ministry. He told us to run it, so we're going to do it. Well, can you do that for your household? Of course you can. Did he not say that he would take care of all your needs and he knew them ahead of time? Sure, get your bulletin board. Highlight your bills. Stick it up and say, Jesus, you got mail. Take your bank balance every week and say, Jesus... That bank account doesn't agree with the scriptures. It needs to increase. He'll increase it. Come on. 
But if you're, if you're bogged down with care, if you're bogged down with fear, if you're bogged down with worry, then you are the ground that is, that, then you are this, then you are thorny ground that the word is being planted in. Alright, one more ground to go. Alright. Oh wait, I didn't finish that part. Notice, he also said the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. In other words, people will compromise their walk for Jesus because they think, well, if I move over there, I'll get the better job and I'll have better finances. The problem with that is that's not where God called you, so that's not where God placed your provision. That's right. Oh, it just got eerie quiet in here. Let me say that again. I've seen a lot of people do this. I have family members that have done this. They're here. They're doing good. They're, they're, God's taking care of them. I mean, they, they've got, I mean, no, they're not living, you know, in the greatest of mansions, but they're, but they're paying their bills and they're improving and their life is improving. But they get so focused on finances that they go, well, if I go over there, I can make, you know, 70, 80, $100 an hour and I can make bukus of money. And then they move out there and they're more broke. Then they were to start with because it's more expensive out there. Plus, here they had the provision of God. Out there, they don't have the provision of God because that's not where God told them to go. And so they don't have that provision. Why? So it was the deceitfulness of riches is, is, drew them away and choked out their good ground. Yep. No, no, no. You don't let that happen. Pleasures. The other one said pleasures. Well, I know that, you know, I, I know that, you know, church is good for me and everything, but, you know, that lake is just so pleasurable. Well, guess what? That lake will be there tomorrow. It'll be there after church gets out. It'll be okay. Come on, don't let the pleasures of life cause you to be thorny ground. One more. Here we go. Are we in Luke or Mark? We're in Mark. We're in Mark. Okay. Verse 20. All right. And these are they which are sown on good ground such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Oh, my goodness. Wait, oh. is that the right spot? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Glory to God. No, no, no that's no, not no. the right spot. We went, no. We Verse jumped. 20. Verse 20. That, that was it. Okay. Yep. All right. And these are those uh, who are sown in good ground, such as hear the word. Number one, you have to hear it. Number two, you have to receive it. And number three, you are responsible for bringing forth the fruit. How do you bring forth the fruit, Pastor? I'm so glad you asked. Jackie, how do you bring forth the fruit? The word. But what do you have to do with the word? Work it. I knew she had the answer. You bring forth fruit by working the word. James told us, don't be a hearer only, but be a doer of the word. Amen. You have to do the word. How much do you know if you plant a fruit tree, let's say a peach tree in your yard, and you put that down and you put it in good soil, good ground, you got all the nourishment there, you got everything you've got, you, you even have the bees that will come in and pollinate it, and you got the all, everything's good, but how much do you know if that tree goes, I don't want to work today. How much, you know, you ain't getting any fruit. You ain't getting any. If that, if that tree, yeah, that tree can have everything it, it needs to grow those peaches. But if that tree just wakes up in the morning and looks at the sun and says, you know what? I just don't want to work today. 
Guess what? You ain't getting no fruit, honey. It's the same thing with us. We can be in a good church getting a good word. We can have good teachers. We can have good study time. We can, we can get good revelation of the word. We can hear the word. But if we will not work the word, the word will not work for you. And if you're not working the word, you are not good ground. All right. Let's look at this from Luke's perspective. Luke's perspective. Verse 15. But that on good ground are they which in an honest and good heart. Oh, look at something. He gave us a new qualifier. He said an honest and good brain. A heart. Heart. It's all about the heart. It's all about your heart. God is not looking at this thing up here between your ears. He's looking at your heart, and he's not looking at the thumper, thumper, thumper in your chest either. What he's looking at is your spirit. He's looking at the real you. You have to have an honest, an honest and good heart. Part of, figure, part of, of, of getting yourself to be good ground is you need to be honest with yourself. You need to say, you need to be honest with yourself. There was a time that I had to say, okay, Lord, I get it. There are times that I am just not listening in service. I'm just not even here. I, like, my ears are hearing it, but my spirit's not hearing it. I am the wayside. Father, help me to change my behavior. And then when I got my behavior changed, I said, okay, Lord, I'm excited. I hear the word. I receive the word. But then, Lord, I just get so distracted with the world that I don't do anything. I just totally forget about the world or forget, forget about the word. So then I had to say, Lord, help me to not be that person. Help me to not be that person that goes to church, says amen, hallelujah, and then doesn't produce anything in my life. Father, help me to be the good ground. And so I start working some things, and I start working some things, and I've got the word going, and I've got testimony after testimony after testimony. Things are really good, and then all of a sudden hit dry desert land. And I'm like, Lord, what happened? And Lord, what happened? Why am I not producing? What's happening? And he said, oh, that's real simple. I said, well, Lord, what is it? He said, you're carrying the care. He said, instead of asking me and being done with it, he said, you're sitting there worrying about it and fretting about it and running it over through your mind, licking every possible, every possible scenario. How can this go right? How can this go wrong? You're even trying to figure out how I'm going to do it for you and getting, trying to get me to do it your way. Oh, yeah, I used to be that person. That person that said, well, I'm believing God for this, and this is how the Lord's going to do it. I was that person for a season, and then the Lord said, um, I bless my plan, not yours. And I went, huh. So I'm supposed to just ask you and entrust you and not carry the care. He said, that's what you're supposed to do. I said, Lord, I'm not sure how to do that, but I'll work on it. So I, during the day, that wasn't too bad because I could stay real busy. But one of my weakest times was in the shower. Now, that sounds crazy. That's one of my weakest times. Why? Because my mind is not distracted. So I go to get in the shower, and all of a sudden, I start scheming and planning. Oh, God, well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And, what and I'd have to practically slap myself, not literally, but, you know, give myself a good spiritual slap. What are you doing? You're starting to pick up the care. Stop that. Put that down. Father, I'm sorry. I'm washing that off. I'm giving that back to you. You handle it. Next thing I know, well, what if this happens? Stop it. 
I'm not carrying the care. Lord, I gave it to you. I'm not picking it back up. I started to pick it up, but I'm not picking it back up. That belongs to you. What am I doing? I'm working the word. So what kind of ground are you? Only you can answer that. And, and, but be honest. Be honest and a good heart, having heard the word, keep the word. Which Keep the word means to do what? To be a doer of the word. What does it mean to be a keeper of the word? Come on, church. What does it mean to be a keeper of the word? To be a doer of the word. No, no, the, the, being a keeper of the word is that this is my word and you can't have it and I'm keeping it. What are you doing? Just carrying it around just with you? Just carrying it around. It's mine. I'm keeping it. You can't have it. I'm not sharing it with you. Well, I don't want your word, but your word's not going to do you any good. Do what? Well, there is it's, that. It's definitely not being a doer of the word. But it's also not being a doer of the word. And so many people do that. I've got my Bible. I carry my Bible around with me everywhere I go. But they don't actually apply the word. But they don't actually apply it. So be honest with yourself. Have a good heart. Hear the word. Keep the word by being a doer of it. And if you'll do that, you'll bring forth fruit. Uh oh, uh, oh. Uh. With patience. What? Not instantaneously. God, wait. God is not a microwave God. Wait, wait. You mean I can't get you can't I can't get what I prayed for instantly? Well, you can, but not usually. You mean Most the things time of you God? Wait for it. Huh? Well, if you if you hit the if you hit the purchase button on Amazon, does it immediately appear on your table? No. No. Well, it doesn't work this way either. But it'll show up tomorrow. Maybe. If you pay extra for shipping. <laughs> if you pray, yeah, pray extra for shipping. Praise extra for shipping, for speeded shipping. Praise, right? No, come on. How much you know the things of God require patience? Let, her, let your patience have her perfect work in you. Be patient, waiting, perceive, per, just, just knowing in faith that you have what you've asked the Lord for. So the question tonight that I want you to go home with is what kind of ground am I? Now, what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to go, Oh, Pastor, I'm stony ground. I'm no good. I've been listening to you for 10 years, and I'm still just the bottom ground, and it's not okay. Don't go home and have a pity party. Don't do that. No. Say, Okay, God, I received the correction. I've got some work to do. Father, help me to be good ground. I recognize that in this area, I'm stony ground. In this area, I'm thorny ground. In this area, I'm the wayside. But now in this area, Lord, I'm real good. I got this going on right here. And begin to work your ground. How much do you know when you buy a brand new piece of property that's never been farmed, how much do you know you got to work the ground? You got to break it up. You got to get the rocks out of there. You got to put down all the, you got to put down lime and potassium and calcium and all this nourishment and hay and compost. And how much do you know? That's my gardeners back here. Is that light work? <laughs> no, and you have to be patient. You have to be patient with that thing. You got to work that ground. You got to work that nourishment in. You got to, and, and, and let, let me ask you this. When you plant a garden, and you, and, you get the, and you get it real nice, and you get it real pretty, and you get it full of dirt. And then you put your plants down. Put your seeds in. And you put your seeds in. If you don't go out there for two or three days, when you go back out, what do you have? Weeds. 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 
I mean, you're looking at that stuff and you're going. Is that a weed or is that my plant? Is that a weed or is that my plant? Is that where I sowed or is that a, well, it looks a little off center, so I think it's a weed. No, you got to get out there every day. You got to weed your garden every day. You got to get out there and tend to it every day. Our life is exactly the same way. You got to you got to attend to the word every single day. You got to attend to your life every single day. Every day. Well, glory to God. That's all I have for tonight. Do you have anything more tonight? Uh, just that that with the with the the prayer and believing for something. Yes. Yes. God does do miracles. Absolutely. But that's not the normal. Most of the time. Right. Most so of the he time. he he did not say in his word that he was going to rain miracles on all of his children all the days of their lives. Yeah. No. Yeah, Amazon That's why he has... tells you to have patience. He does say he's going to take care of you. He says, trust and believe in me, and I will supply all of your needs. Yeah, glory to God. And even most of your desires. Yeah. But Amazon... As long as they line up with his word. Yeah. Amazon has really spoiled us with this instant shipping. Uh, our prayer rail is here. It did show up. Glory to God. It is here. Uh, so now we just got to get to work staining it. Um, but, you know, we ordered that thing, what, five, six weeks ago? I mean, we ordered it at the first of December. The end of November, first of December, is when we ordered it. How much do you know? We've been believing for five, just about right at six weeks. Lord, we purchased it. Lord, it's. I mean, and we checked. Yep, they took the money. Yep, Lord, <laughs> they say it's coming. We kept checking back with the company. Are you shipping it? And then we were checking with the shipping company. You got it? Are you bringing it? Are you coming? How much you know? That's more like what prayer is like. Is you you got to take time, but you got to keep. But here's the deal: you don't just pray one time and forget it. You got to stay on it. You got to stay on it. You got to stay in faith. Glory to God! You can't. You got to work. But your when ground. you go back, you don't. You don't. You don't, <laughs> go, you don't pray for the same thing again. No, you just you, go check on it. You you uh, you just rem, remind God yep. that you're standing in yep. faith and that you're believing. <laughs> Father God, your word says to put you in remembrance, so I'll put you in remembrance. Zach, if you'll come this evening, glory to God. Well, tithes and offerings, we like to give everybody a chance to sow with every service, you know, and it's up to you. That's between you and God, but you do want to be a tither and a giver, and I still didn't get my checkbook, so I'm going to give online tonight. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. And uh, if you want to pray over their offering, I'll get our offering ready. Okay. <laughs> Oh Lord, we thank and all you. the distract, all the destructions, all the destructions, all the all the instructions are on the screen. Oh, instructions, okay. Whew. All right, done with the distractions. I am okay. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you that it that uh, that it has fallen on good ground and that it will grow and bear in our bear fruit in our lives as we as we work the word and as we meditate on the word and and as we we remember your word that you you shared with us tonight. Lord, we just love you, and we thank you for all that you've done for us. You are a wonderful God, and you have given us so much. So we give unto your kingdom, Lord. We, we give with a grateful heart and a joyous heart and a generous heart because your, your work needs to be done here on earth as it yes, is in heaven. Thank you, and so we, we give into that. And, and, Lord, we just ask that you bless this offering, that it go further than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the doing of your work here on this earth. And, Lord, we also ask that you, you bless us in return so that we can be a bigger blessing. Thank Lord, you, we just love you and we thank you for your word. Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. We are forewarned and forearmed, and we, we will stand against you, we and, and we will you. not let you steal our word. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 
Satan, we do bind you off of everybody's finances. You release it and let it go. Anything that you've stolen that's been revealed, we command you to return it sevenfold in Jesus' mighty name. Angels, according to the word, go and cause prosperity to come according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And, Father, we thank you that your word is true and your word is ever working in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen and amen. I just sent mine. Zach, you can serve the people. Thank you.